God told Moses and Aaron to arrange the lamps to shine forward. Very interesting. We're going to talk about dedication today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery. We discover the Bible and the 40 authors who wrote it with the same theme over 1,500 years, and it is exciting. Today, number six, or actually numbers eight. It's going to be a good day, so get ready for that. Ryan? Okay, so yesterday my segment was all about the Nazarite vow, and today is sort of a continuation of that. I want to focus on one famous Nazarite, and I'm not talking about Samson. All right, very good. Look forward to that. And one of the things we need to remember is Janice is here with Corey. What's going on, Janice? Well, I titled my segment today, People Need the Lord, and I'm going to be joined with Corey, and we're going to be talking about people needing the Lord. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. All right, very good. Let's get out our Bible guides and explore. Numbers 8, 1 through 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, and say to him, When you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now this workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold. From its shaft to its flowers it was hammered work. According to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purification on them, and let them shave all their body, and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering, and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. Numbers chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. You know, I love the book of Numbers. I've said this every time we were in it. I continue to say it. Moses puts this book together as a memory of where Israel has gone and been. Now, this is very important because the Holy Spirit is responding to Moses at this time by impressing on him the presence of God. You know, dedication in so many ways 
this world defines what Moses and Aaron were commanded to do, the beginning of the nation of Israel, dedication, dedication. The nation itself was to be dedicated to God. Its people were to be dedicated to following God. The priesthood had to be dedicated to serving God and the people. This dedication was laid out in the law that God gave to Moses. There were very specific instructions that all pointed back to the truths about God. In today's reading, we see the instructions about the tribe of Levi. These Levites were to be set apart for the priesthood and were given the responsibility of the upkeep of the tabernacle. We also read about the lamps and the lampstand in the tabernacle. These were also dedicated for their purpose, and the lamps were oriented to cast their lights in front of the lampstand. Now, this is very important because we're going to get into this over the next few days, and we need to pay attention to it. Take your Bible guide. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage. You can get a Bible guide by writing to us or by calling us, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the Bible guide. It takes you to a place where you can donate. Thank you for your donations. They mean a lot. We really appreciate it. And it takes you to a place where you can download the Bible guide just as we printed it. So you can have your own copy as well. That's very important for the people watching overseas on the internet and on various places. Let's take a look at this and let's pray before we do so. Father, help us to hear these 13 verses according to what you're speaking, not according to our ideas. Help us to listen to you carefully. Holy Spirit, be here today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, make it so or amen. Chapter eight begins this way. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and say to him, when you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give the light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand. As the Lord commanded Moses, now the workmanship of the lampstand was hammered gold. From its shaft to its flowers, it was hammered work. According to the pattern, now listen to this, according to the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the lampstand. Now that brings me to this point. God told Moses and Aaron to arrange the lamps to shine forward. The lamps lit the way to God's presence as God continues to light the path to redemption. Do you see the pattern here? Do you see what God is saying even back then, 1500 BC? What God is saying to him, we're talking 2,500 years, uh, 3,500 years ago. Very important. God is saying, I'm going to light the pattern. I want you to do it my way. I'm going to show you Moses. Now, this is very, very important. Now, we go on and we learn this, beginning with verse 5. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them, or should do them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purification on them and let them shave all of their body. Let them wash their clothes and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bull with grain offering and a fine flour mixed with oil. And you shall take another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting. And you shall gather together the whole congregation of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel that they may perform the work of the Lord. Which brings me to this point. The Levites, or the Levitical tribe, were dedicated to the work of the Lord. The Levites were dedicated to the work of the Lord. As the church of Jesus Christ, we are to be dedicated to presenting Christ to the world. As the church, you have been called. We are to present Christ to the world. Now, how do we do that? What has Christ done for you? This is what God said in the book of Matthew. He said, go into the world and tell the people. He said it in the book of Mark 16. And he said it in all the other books. He said, tell the people who I am. Tell them that I've come to redeem their sin. And I'll give them glorious forgiveness if they accept me as Lord of their life. Beloved, that's what we offer you today. If you're watching and you've never done this, this is how you can become, with God, forgiven and accepted, a child of God. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and pray and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe what you did. Died on the cross, rose again. Come into my life and be Lord of my life. Amen. Well, let's go on to the scripture because the next one says, Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the head of the young bulls. And you shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. This is fascinating. The Levites were to come to the Lord and offer themselves for his work. Christians are responsible for the work of God. We are being faithful to our task. Faithful to our task. That's the work of the Lord. A wave offering is very interesting. We wave the offering before the Lord. That's important. We are to become before the Lord, his redeemed, his church. And as we do that and show people God, we don't show people we're great, we're great. We don't do that. We show people God is great. Because he redeemed me. And if he redeemed me, he can redeem you. Come to Christ. Again, I will ask you, have you been redeemed by Jesus Christ? You know, you don't have to call an 800 number or do anything. You have to pray. You simply say, focus your mind on God. And you pray and say, Lord Jesus, I accept you today. I need you as my Lord. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross. We killed you. You allowed yourself to die. And you rose again, risen in the flesh. 
and you went to heaven. Now your Holy Spirit is here. So Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Come into my life and be Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. All right, so as I mentioned earlier, my segment yesterday was all about the vow of the Nazarite, which is laid out in Numbers chapter 6. But just for the sake of review, a Nazarite was somebody who separated him or herself from the world in order to dedicate themselves completely to God's service. As a matter of fact, the word Nazarite comes from a Hebrew word that means to separate. And the vow involved three things. First, abstinence from wine and strong drink. Second, refraining from cutting their hair. And third, the avoidance of contact with dead bodies. Now, ordinarily, the Nazarite's vow lasted only 30 or at most 100 days. But there were some who were lifelong Nazarites. The most well-known of these was Samson, though he did end up breaking the, uh, the Nazarite vow. But some other well-known Nazarites were the Old Testament prophet Samuel, Paul the Apostle, and even John the Baptist. And today, in continuation of yesterday's segment, I want to explore the life of John the Baptist. And John was Jesus' cousin and also the man who was called to make the paths of the Messiah straight. Check it out. John the Baptist has been accurately described as an imposing figure in the opening pages of the New Testament, wearing coarse camel's hair and leather, eating locusts and wild honey, shouting at the top of his lungs in a wilderness place to the penitents and curious. John leaps out of the gospel pages as a frightening first figure of a new age. He rants of the coming judgment when the unjust will be destroyed. He demands conversion. He washes those who have begun to change their lives. And he is ultimately beheaded by a ruler who would not repent. John the Baptist inaugurates the good news of God's kingdom like a champagne bottle shattered against the hull of a new ship. John's birth had been foretold centuries earlier by the prophet Isaiah, who described him as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and one who would prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It would be the angel Gabriel who would announce the coming fulfillment of this prophecy to John's unsuspecting parents, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah was a priest, and Elizabeth, a relative of Jesus' mother Mary, was of the daughters of Aaron and the boy would be a miracle child, since Elizabeth was barren, and both she and her husband were elderly. Gabriel also revealed to them that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb, and that he would go before the promised Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah. John was to be extremely unique. In fact, as one author quips, if God wanted to draw a crowd before introducing his son to the world, John the Baptist was a great choice. Crowd appeal was guaranteed, given John's creative blend of qualities. Indeed, although most sons would follow in their father's footsteps to the priesthood, John became a monk-like prophet, who fully embraced the wilderness life. He also began baptizing people in the Jordan River, earning him the moniker John the Baptizer. He apparently adapted the idea from the Jewish practice of taking a ritual bath to purify oneself for worship. 
On one occasion, as John was preaching and baptizing, he saw Jesus coming towards him and exclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Though John perhaps had suspected all along that his own relative was the Messiah, he now knew for certain. Any further doubt was removed when the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus after his baptism. Though Jesus' path had now been made straight, John continued on with his ministry. However, when he later confronted King Herod about his incestuous relationship with his brother's wife Herodias, Herod threw him into prison. Soon after this, Herodias conspired to have John executed and for his head to be brought out on a silver platter for display. Though John died before his 40th birthday, his mission had been accomplished. So John was a key player in God's plan. And notice that John's birth was a miracle since his parents were past childbearing age. And there are several miraculous births in the Bible just like this one where God intervenes to produce a key leader or deliverer for his people. For example, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to the patriarch Isaac when they were very much past childbearing age. And God also opened Rachel's womb and she gave birth to Joseph, who of course delivered his people in a big, big way. And Hannah was also barren until God opened her womb and gave her Samuel, who was one of the greatest leaders that Israel had ever seen. And let's not miss the meaning of all these miraculous births. All these biblical scenes point to and prefigure Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader and savior. I'm out of time for now, but tomorrow we're going to continue on with this study. I love these studies, Ryan. They're absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Corey and Janice. Yes, well, you know, we decided to join together with our segments mm -hmm. today to bring them to you. And this chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 8, is the arrangement of the lamps in the tabernacle of meeting, right? Yes. So I'm going to read, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you arrange the lamps, the seven lamps shall give light in front of the lampstand. And Aaron did so. He arranged the lamps to face toward the front of the lampstand as the Lord commanded Moses. Now the lampstand was a symbol of God's presence mm -hmm. and a symbol of God's glory. And similarly, as Christians, as Christ has died for us on the cross, we are his representatives. We are now to be a reflection of who he is. So the mm -hmm. presence of God in our lives should be like a light that shines as a reflection of God. Definitely. And remember, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, you are the light of the world. That's exactly. Right? Remember that little song that we used to sing when you were little? This little light of mine, right? We're not yeah. going to let Satan out. No, we're not going to hide <laughs> yeah. under a bushel. We're going to let our light shine until Jesus comes. We need to be a light in this world. Let's seek after God with all our heart our soul, our mind, and our strength. We need to ask him to help us in our daily struggles, to teach us and give us the courage to live for him in troubled times because people need the Lord. Yeah. Just like you and I needed the Lord and need the Lord. We continue to need the Lord. But as we look around in the darkness of this world, and we are seeing evil that has always been there, mm -hmm. but it seems to be intensifying, and the world seems to be a darker place. So this gives us, as followers of Christ, the opportunity to shine yeah. in a dark world. And we all know that just one little candle, one little candle in, the, in a dark room, 
begins to illuminate mm -hmm. and it pushes the darkness away. And, and people need to see that light of Jesus. People need hope. People need the Lord. Yeah. So it's interesting when we, when we take a look at the symbolism in these items, and as we're reading through numbers and we're reading through some of these books that get monotonous after, after a time, that we can still apply that symbolism today. Definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, when we were talking about this earlier and talking about the lampstands and talking about all of this, and then again, when you were saying, you know, our world is a very dark place, mm -hmm. right? It can be very difficult to navigate. And that made me think of Psalm 119, verse 105, which says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my mm. path. And I remember, I remember when I really thought about this verse, it, it was years ago, and I've spoken on this verse before, just kind of as a jumping off point um, in, in at different conferences and things. Yes. But when I really sat down and thought about this verse, I found myself thinking, why would your word be like a lamp? Why wouldn't it be? Because God's word is, is powerful. You know, like you think of Hebrews where it says your, your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing between even the bones and the marrow. And you just think, whoa, the word of God, right? Why not the sun? Why, why like a lamp? Why, why a lamp? Why, why a lamp? Not a fire? Not a raging a torch, fire? A big like, old torch? Like, not like the altar <laughs> that caught on fire when Elijah was facing the bit like... Not a, a lamp? And then, and then I thought, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have to personally apply the word of God in order for it to illuminate our lives, in order for us to know how God wants us to live or who God is. We have to know what the word of God says. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like the whole what would Jesus do movement of the 90s that, you know, all of us teenagers got WWJD bracelets and half of us had never read the gospel. So we had no idea what Jesus would do. No idea what he did. It would be what you thought Jesus would do. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> yeah. Right. Just like a lamp, you have to fill the oil. You have to put the wick in. You have to light it. And then you have to hold it as you're walking if it's yes. going to illuminate your path. Right. It, and that oil, of course, is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. So in order to illuminate that lamp properly, we need to have the Holy Spirit's presence. Yes. For the scripture to us. be useful yes. to us, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, yeah, so I just, an encouragement going out to you guys, if you're watching this program, that probably means that reading the Bible is important to you. Uh, and that you've started, if not, you're continuing on your journey of reading through the Bible and trying to understand it. And, and that's a good thing because as the psalmist from thousands of years ago can say, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That same thing holds true today. We live in such different times, thousands of years removed from the man who wrote these words. And yet it still holds true that if we spend time with God in prayer and in trying to understand what the scripture says, we'll know better how to live our lives. We'll be able to hear God's voice better. We'll be able to discern what his will is. I don't know how it works, but I know that it does. <laughs> and then, then you become that help 
mm-hmm. that encouragement to somebody who thinks everything is hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. That everything is dark. Yeah. That life is not worth living mm-hmm. anymore. We can get into the core of that and introduce them mm-hmm. to the light. Definitely. I think exciting it's a, stuff. Isn't I it think exciting? It's, when you said that this is important because when you said, why not a raging fire? How come a lamp? You know, <laughs> And I thought about it. I thought, well, you know what? God gives each of us a lamp in our lives. Mm-hmm. But let's keep in mind, what, what is a raging fire? A raging fire is a number of fuels mm-hmm. yeah, together. together. So when you gather together, there is an intense raging fire of God's presence. Mm-hmm. But when you go off, the fire doesn't go out. It just disperses itself. Mm-hmm. So True. the fire goes True. all over the world. And I think it's important to remember that God is giving these men how to set up the tabernacle and what to do about it. It's just absolutely fascinating because you can just you can just take this further and go into the bread and all of that. But nevertheless, <clears throat> God shows us that if we truly are intense about the words of the Holy Spirit, the Bible being active in our life, then every year we read it, the Holy Spirit brings another one to the surface. So another coal comes to the surface. And by the time we get to the end of our life, there's a little bit bigger fire <laughs> and there's a bigger lamp. And I, I think that's the, the thing that, that I really want to say is our lamps, all of our lamps will get bigger and better as we focus constantly on the Word of God and focus on the Bible, because I think that's very, very important. So keep that in mind. And uh, I like that analogy. Yeah. When we come together, it's like what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, when we come together, it is. We don't it is talk that about everything else. Flame. We talk about God. Yeah. That's what fellowship is. That's what fellowship, fellowship is. Fellowship is talking. Than friendship, it's friendship, isn't it? It's more different. than that. It is. It's, it's, it's more than that. When you talk about God, everything, and you pray with each other and work with each other, everything's different. Thank you. I want to say thank you for supporting as you have done and continue to do. That support means so much to us. We do not spend a lot of time writing letters and big appeal letters and coming up with all of these things because we trust in God. We pray and you know what? You have responded. So thank you so much for doing that. Today, let's pray. Lord, I want to know you. So help me to understand When I separate myself for you, I should be separate. 